You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. There are snakes in the Play Store's walled garden. One of them has a helpful flashlight. A look at how cyber gangs communicate. They do it a lot like the rest of us. Source code distribution and the jokers who make annoying use of it. More troubling reports about an IPO-ready unicorn. What information do your products collect about you? And how do you know what vendors are doing with it? I'm Dave Bittner in Baltimore with your CyberWire summary for Thursday, April 20th, 2017. We begin with a few warnings about malicious apps. BankBot resurfaced this month in various trojanized apps sold in the Play Store. Google has purged the ones reported to it, but we can expect more. Bratislava and San Diego-based security firm ESET found one bad app that repeats a familiar pattern. It was packaged as a flashlight for Android. It might help you find your keys at night, but the app would also swipe your credentials and maybe lock your screen. So while the Play Store remains a far better bet than the third-party store, be wary. Snakes do get in the walled garden. The other problematic Play Store offering was noticed by Trend Micro. It's a bogus version of Super Mario Run. The tip-off to danger is that during installation, it seeks to be activated as the device administrator. This, of course, is never a good idea. Mario is no administrator. Neither is Luigi. Security company Flashpoint has published a study on how cybercriminal gangs communicate. It indicates, again, how much a black market can function like a legitimate market and the ways in which a criminal ecosystem can resemble a business vertical. While an online forum might broker initial connections among criminals, the study finds, the groups tend to move quickly to various instant messaging services. Many are represented, but Skype is number one, possibly because it's bundled with so many other Microsoft products. Flashpoint notes that criminals, like the rest of us, like to reap the benefits of cross-community collaboration, information sharing, and even mentorship. Flashpoint also says the criminals look for ease of use, they like a simple, intuitive GUI, and they hate buggy apps. They like suitability for communicating in their native language, as well as the messaging platform vendor's willingness to resist subpoenas, and of course security and anonymity. Criminal organizations also tend to learn from the best, and if you want to find the sector leaders the other gangs follow, well, the Russian mob is pick of the litter. Surfwatch Labs has drawn security lessons from the growing availability of source code and malware online. Reasonware, the joke ransomware a South Korean undergraduate put together, serves as a cautionary example. When Surfwatch and others called it a joke, they mean joke literally. The Reasonware impresario encrypted files but didn't ask for money. Instead, he required the victims to win the lunatic level of a shooter game, Tuhu Sirensen. Score 200 million points and you'll get your files back. The undergrad has apologized to everyone for a prank he no longer finds funny, but Surfwatch's point is that the ready availability of swapped malware on the market makes this kind of nonsense all the more likely to continue. Secure authentication is an area of active research and innovation, as increasingly people are concluding that the old username-password combo just isn't enough. One company claiming to have a solution to authentication challenges is Secret Double Octopus. And yes, we love that name too. Amit Rahav is VP of Business Development at Secret Double Octopus. The current way we're doing authentication 
and encryption is based on algorithms that have been around for 40 years and haven't changed much, actually. Whether it's the use of password and similar concept, whether it's the reliance on public key infrastructure, these are all great concepts that have served us well, but they were created at a different time, a different era. And the use cases we're seeing today, in terms of complexity, in terms of the scale, in terms of the the requirement for user experience and in terms of the requirement for security are dramatically different. So when you look at things like password, right now, if you're a security admin of a large company, it only takes one customer to make a mistake in order to fail the entire protection environment. And now we're talking about the end users. You know, what are the odds to make sure that no end user will make a mistake in terms of somehow giving away a password, somehow giving away access to a code. So that's really something that we have to look again at, uh, at that approach, both in terms of scale, the complexity, and also in terms of user experience. So take us through, you know, what do you, what do you all uh, maintain is the solution? So today, if I'm relying on SMS, if I'm relying on push notification, if I'm relying on keys... Somebody can steal that secret behind my authentication, even biometric, the same thing. There's going to be a secret there. We're creating something that gets rid of that single point of failure, but without any compromise on user experience. When we do that, we're actually leveraging well-known algorithms that were used in the past to protect uh, military launch codes when you have multiple approvals that are required. And in cryptography term, the algorithm to achieve that is has been defined and it has been created actually by Adi Shamir, the co-inventor of RSA, he also created Shamir Secret Sharing. So we created a, the world's first authentication architecture that's designed on Shamir Secret Sharing. And what it does is it allows me to authenticate to the server without any point of failure along the way. It allows my admin to deploy the system without having any key management. And then I can eliminate password altogether. And But it all becomes completely indifferent to hacks that we know today. So how does it work for the user? What's the user experience? Well, the user will get rid of uh, having to remember passwords, and instead they will use an app. Anything that they do that is sensitive, all the operation will be approved using a highly protected app that is installed on their phone. They can just, with a single tap, approve or reject certain operations. They can have the benefit of knowing that as they do that, they are fully protected, but they don't have to deal with the security itself. They don't have to type any codes. They don't have to carry around special hardware. Just a simple... Beeping on my phone, I tap one touch and I am approved to go. That's Amit Rahav from Secret Double Octopus. Tanium is in the news again, and not in a good way. The privately held triple unicorn, recently valued at $3.5 billion and preparing for a long-awaited IPO, has seen the departure of a surprising number of senior executives over the past year. Earlier this week, reports were published complaining that the CEO had an abusive style and that he'd gone so far as to limit the dilution of his equity by firing employees just before their options were due to vest. Tanium denied that there was any such practice. Late yesterday, however, the Wall Street Journal reported that Tanium had been using a customer's network to demonstrate its security products to other potential customers. The customer, whose network was used in the demos, a California hospital, has said it was unaware that this was going on. They're none too happy about having been so exposed. Tanium's demonstrations apparently began as early as 2014 and continued for some time. Industry reaction to this story has been predictably harsh. We heard from Stuart Oaken of software vendor 1E. He says that, quote, using live customer environments for demos is a rookie move. 
end quote, and that a Wild West startup culture won't fly in the security space. The stakes are too high. He draws three lessons from the incident. First, start thinking early about scalable demonstration environments for your products. Second, use testing rigs so you don't disrupt operations. And third, don't contribute to hype. You're probably not, as a security startup, offering a magic pill, so take a measured, integrated approach. Tanium CEO Orion Hindawi has published an open letter to customers that amounts to a partial rebuttal of the news reports. He acknowledges that mistakes were made in their use of the client's network and that they could have done a better job anonymizing their demo. He categorically denies reports of a toxic environment within the company, and though he does cop a mildly apologetic way to having a sometimes hard-edged manner, he thinks that some of that is simply a natural expression of the company's commitment to its mission and its customers. Finally, there's an odd lawsuit being filed in Chicago that alleges audiophile company Bose has been collecting user information from Bose wireless headphones and then sending that data to third parties. We'll forgo the obvious wisecracks about how a headphone manufacturer might be listening in and simply note what Bob Noel of Plixer International mentioned to us. A lot of companies collect data, and a lot of that data is collected by permission of the end-user license agreement, the EULA we all click through impatiently when we get a new product. Noel says, quote, Because data collection occurs across the encrypted tunnel, as a consumer it's impossible to verify what data is being taken and what the manufacturer is doing with that data. End quote. So perhaps the best folk wisdom to cite here is the one sung by American philosopher Tom Waits in Step Right Up. The large print giveth, and the small print taketh away. Every day, your IAM tech debt grows. Your multi-generational services struggle to work together. Building an identity fabric can fix this. It makes all your identity tooling stronger and allows you to connect any app to any service you want to use with zero coding, zero maintenance, and zero app downtime. Strata's identity orchestration platform separates the identity logic from your applications so you can optimize existing IAM tools and manage them in a single control plane. Now, every vendor, standard, and architecture work together. In short, building your identity fabric means you can secure your non-standard apps, keep your complex access policies, retire outdated IDPs, and modernize in record time. So build your fabric with Strata Identity and get rid of tech debt for good. Visit strata.io slash cyberwire, share your identity priorities, and receive a pair of AirPods Pro. Offer valid for organizations over 5,000 employees. Connect today at strata.io slash cyberwire. The IT world used to be simpler. You only had to secure and manage environments that you controlled. Then came new technologies and new ways to work. Now, employees, apps, and networks are everywhere. This means poor visibility, security gaps, and added risk. That's why Cloudflare created the first-ever connectivity cloud. Visit cloudflare.com to protect your business everywhere you do business.
Joining me once again is Joe Kerrigan. He's from the Johns Hopkins University Information Security Institute. Uh, Joe, welcome back. Um, You sent over an interesting article about uh, fingerprint sensors on iPhones and Android devices. Right. Certainly a popular way to uh, log into your phone. I'll admit I I use it to log into my iPhone every day. I I do too. We just got new phones in in our house. I love that uh, I just touch the back of it and it opens up for me and that if I need my son to open it, I can tell him what the code is and he can open it. Uh, with with the code, I I think it's a very great convenience. It's just but. convenient and it's fast, but uh, but right. not necessarily uh, so secure. Exactly. So this this article talks about a paper that came out from uh, NYU and Michigan, and in that paper, the researchers have found a set of fingerprints that have enough common features. They're actually partial fingerprints because these things don't work on full fingerprints. Right. They work on uh, just a partial fingerprint because you're only touching a small portion of your finger to that sensor. What they found is that the, if they, they have generated these uh, this set of fingerprints that has enough of the common features of the population's fingerprints that it can un, uh, or it can be identified as about 60% of the people by a fingerprint sensor. Wow. Now, they didn't talk about doing this on an actual phone. They were using a different, a different device. So, okay. But still, if you're looking at this from a, um, from a security standpoint, if you're matching 60% based on this, this set of fingerprints, then even if the phone is four times as good, then you're still matching 15%. Of, of the population, which is probably an unacceptable level for security. Yeah, I, you know, I've always looked at this as being a, a, more of a, a, a step up of, of security versus nothing at all. Right. It, it's sort of the sweet spot between, you know, having a complex password is too much of a pain and slows me down too much, so I'm just not going to use it. But, right. But not having anything isn't secure at all. So kind of, a, you know, it, it's a, it's a, it's better than nothing solution right. in terms of security. But if you're someone who really needs to have your device locked down, they probably shouldn't rely the, on the fingerprint. Is, this is probably not the best, not the best solution anymore. My feeling on this is that for for real security, fingerprints just aren't going to cut it. All right, Joe Kerrigan, thanks for joining us. My pleasure, Dave. Are lengthy security reviews pulling attention away from your security program? With the largest network of trust centers, Vanta can help you streamline security reviews to win customer trust, save time, and close deals fast. Proactively demonstrate security by showcasing key resources like your SOC 2 or ISO 27001 and provide real-time evidence for passing controls. And when a security questionnaire is required, Vanta takes the first pass for you. Visit vanta.com slash cyber to take a self-serve tour. That's vanta.com slash cyber. And that's the CyberWire. We are proudly produced in Maryland by our talented team of editors and producers. I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.